I'm so excited that somebody left a review entitled Bleep Blorp. Yeah. It really made my day. You know what I'm not excited about? What? Me having a meltdown is on the internet. Oh. That's true. There is a meltdown on the internet. From me. From you. I'm sure the rest of us will have meltdowns at some point as well. But will yours be as stupid as mine? Yours was like... Oh, like, listening back to it, I was like, seems like I was just crying because I was tired. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like a toddler. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. Ladies and gentlemen, and folks of all ages, I'm Robin Puffin. I'm Katherine Johnson. And I'm Madison Monster Mash, and you are listening to Grow Up, a Saturday morning podcast for monstrous millennials, where we take uh, childhood media and we watch it as grown-ups because we want to learn new things about it. Is that what we do on this podcast? No. no you not. have it all wrong. Yeah, oh, damn. I thought I was that. close, at least. Never even once have I done that with my time. Wow. I was so far off. This is a podcast where we study cryptids from different small towns, such as the Mothman. And by study, I mean we I actually have their bodies and we dissect them. How dare you? Ha. Robin. It was a little dark. I would never hurt the Mothman. The Mothman's been dead for years. No, it hasn't. Uh, well, the one I have in front of me has. Robin, I'm gonna- You have a, like, deeply decomposed Mothman sitting in front of you, Robin? Robin. Yeah, that's what I have. I'm gonna- Robin, I'm gonna kick your ass. (laughs) That's what you get. I'm sorry. So mad at you. Yeah, I'm pretty mad too. Anyways- this week on Grow Up, we have uh, a show I'd never seen before, so... Virgin Alert! Virgin Alert! You know, I'd never even heard of this show. I had no idea it existed. I, uh, I'd i never heard anybody say the title. The, none of the characters have ever been mentioned or referenced. This is so completely new to me. Weird. Weird. Yeah. So if you haven't guessed yet... <laughs> If you haven't listened to our previous episodes where we said the title, the show that we're doing this week is Ah! Real Monsters! Oh boy. Suggested to us by listener and longtime friendo Ashlyn Boothstubbs. Ashlyn, your sticker is in the mail. As a token of our endless gratitude, you celestial beast. Her baby just had a birthday. Yeah, she did. I saw pictures of her on Facebook. Happy, she ate a cake. Happy birthday, Madison, which is also happy birthday, her birthday, little name. Madison. Uh, it means Aww. Madison. You probably should change your name. Oh yeah, I'm probably gonna have to undo my years of being named Madison. Grunk, grunk. That's a good option. Uh, does anybody else have any ideas? No, actually, I'm all in on to? grunk. 
All in on Gronk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, looks like I'm drawing up the papers right now to become Gronk. Right on. Okay, Gronk. I'm very susceptible to peer pressure. Yeah, you are. <laughs> All right, Gronk. Yeah. Did you have something to say to me? I'm going to kick your ass. No! I, I f- feel confrontational. I can tell. <laughs> this show yeah. is the Rugrats monster show. It is. It's the Rugrats in the city dump, basically. Uh, what I mean by that is it's the same company. It's Klasky, it Shupo. It looks exactly the oh, yeah. same, except yeah, that it's monsters. Same. It's the same uh, it's an style, too, in a way. animated series that was on Nickelodeon. It was like yeah. the fifth installment of the Nicktoons series, which came after Doug, the Rugrats, Ren and Stimpy, and Rocco's Modern Life. And Rugrats was so freaking successful. Why did you that... say freaking? Because oh, I'm... I don't know. I'm sober, so I feel like I have to be all wholesome. I hate the word freaking <sighs> so much. Okay. So, gosh darn it. Uh, successful. <laughs> gosh darn is better than freaking, honestly. So, gosh darn successful. Yeah. That gosh they hired the same production company, Klasky Shupo, to make another Nicktoon. So, that was the first company that was doing a second Nicktoon and they made it. It's a monster show. <laughs> it was I thought it was interesting cuz similar to the Rugrats it's about, you know, some young group of people that is in some way annexed from the adults. Mm-hmm. Like they chose a similar subset of people. That, monsters and babies that aren't a part of yeah that aren't a part of mo- mainstream life and see things differently and misunderstand everything yeah. like that's a lot of the shtick <laughs> in both shows that's true also babies are monsters so it's basically yeah. just the same show. what we're trying to say is there are one trick pony <laughs> well that's not true though because Klasky shupo uh, is a husband and wife creative team that made a bunch of really good shows. They did the Rugrats. They did uh, the, the, the Simpsons. Simpsons when it was still on yep. the Tracy Ullman show. The Wild Thornberries, Rocket Power, As Told by Ginger. We love As Told by Ginger. So this is actually our third Klasky Shupo show on the podcast. Are you trying to say that we're horny for Klasky Shupo? I'm trying to say that our listeners are really horny for Klasky Shupo. That's putting a lot on people you don't even know. I don't know, man. We have been suggested Rocket Power. We've been suggested mm. the Wild Thornberries. So both excellent programs. Our listener base is super horny for we are these shows. On a mission, action, heroes, play, position, prepare to count down rocket power. Anyways, uh, all real monsters. Some of the main voice actors in the show were Charlie Adler, who played Ickis. He's the best um, boy. Is he the best boy? He's kind of the worst boy. What are you saying? Is he the best boy? He's the worst boy. What are you saying? I don't like Ickis. What? Did you like Ickis? I am Ickis. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah, what do you have against Ickis? You, well, you monster. Okay, so I watched... What is your... 
I watched a uh, lot objection more to than Ickes. just the five episodes that we were supposed to watch. I watched like pretty much all of season two and a bunch of season one. Um, and Ickes starts the series as very cocky and he's like, I don't need to learn anything from Monster Academy. I, he doesn't. He Well, because he can loom, he can like grow really big. Um, so he's like born with this natural talent that makes him think that he can just skate on by. But by the end of the show, he's just like the whiniest bitch. That's what I love about him. He is so <laughs> pathetic. He is really pathetic. I love it. Like the point where <laughs> he gets kidnapped by Simon and the second he- they put him in the truck bed, he's like, I'm in despair. And like I'm just I just really vibe with him. He is the most pathetic, awful little creature. And I love it. He kinda is the worst. He sings beautifully, just like myself. No. <laughs> no. Anyways, he's voiced by Charlie Adler, who also played Mr. Big Head in Rocco's Modern Life. And he was Cow and Chicken in Cow and Chicken on Cartoon Network. And then we had Oblina, played by Christine Cavanaugh, who, R.I.P., she died in 2014. Oh, no. She also, I know, right? She played Chucky in the Rugrats. She God, played Chucky Babe. died? Yeah, Chucky died. What the fuck? Isn't that depressing? How didn't anyone tell me? Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe we weren't doing as good of research back when we did the run. Yeah, that we did. She was dead by then too. She was very dead. She also played Babe in Babe. Babe's uh, dead. Babe's dead. She, she was she, not the actual she pig. Played she was the body of the pig. pig. Someone else God voiced the pig. Damn it! And she also played Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory. Dexter's dead. Dexter's dead. What did she die from? Uh, undisclosed causes in her family home. What? Yeah, at 51 years old. She got killed by a monster. <laughs> she got killed by Oblina. Or the Mothman. Yeah. She has are a we, very recognizable are voice. Are we sure she's so dead? Maybe she doesn't talk like anymore. Living out her life oh no, she's a mute somewhere. now? Yeah, maybe just like the pressure of being Chucky and like all the fans knocking on the door all day saying, say something Chucky says, like, really got to her. So you're sell- telling me that millennials killed Christine Kavanaugh. <laughs> I am. That's exactly what I'm saying. Yep. Yeah. Conspiracy they kept going corner. to her house. Conspiracy corner. Chris- Actually, maybe we should not go into the conspiracy corner for this because she does have surviving family members. So... They deserve to know the truth. <laughs> I don't know if they'd appreciate that. I'm just saying. And then we had David Eccles, who played Crumb. He was not actually, like, he didn't do voice acting for most of his career. Most of his career has been, like, being a dialogue and effects editor. So he's been mostly a sound editor. But he did play Reptar in the Rugrats. Oh, my God. <laughs> Though, I was reading about a big old lawsuit that came from Reptar in the Rugrats. Klasky Shupo got sued by the creator of Godzilla. Of course they did. <laughs> yeah. They were like, your your 
lizard boy is too similar to our lizard what? girl. That's the fucking point. That's so dumb. I know. It was supposed to be a parody of, of Godzilla. Godzilla. Reptile. <laughs> yeah, they ended up losing the lawsuit. Who did? Um, Klasky Shupo. Was it a successful <gasps> no. Yeah, and lawsuit? they- ended up just like leaving reptar out of most of the series from the <gasps> one out. They did they did do a couple of like reptar bars and reptar dolls in passing, but they didn't really ref- they didn't talk about reptar that I much. I love anymore. reptar. I know. Remember reptar on ice? Yeah, where they're like reptar. Ugh. Reptar. So yeah, good. I know. And his somehow the reptar's mouth could move even though it should have been a costume. <laughs> exactly it's really unsettling i love it though that was true in the episode about maury the monster too so like what if there's a movie about the dark gritty year in klasky shupo's life chucky dies they lose a reptar they also got divorced in the middle of doing all real monsters they get divorced yeah 9-11 yeah they got divorced like one year after Real Monsters started coming out. And then planes hit the World Trade Center. Oh, wow. You have taken this too far, Catherine. I'm just saying events that have happened before. (laughs) That's all I'm saying. This didn't all happen at one time. They got divorced in 94. Uh, Christine Kavanaugh died in 2014. The World Trade Center fell down. Yes. In 2001. And then George Bush. Those those both have the number four in them. There's a whole thing where they're like, what could possibly go wrong? And then you hear, don't want to be an American, idiot. And then we enter the Bush era. (laughs) It's a really good movie. It's a very good movie. Oh, boy. I'm going to write the Klasky Shupo movie that is based on no fact, just a few things I've heard. And it's... It's really just uh, an Aesop's fable about <laughs> being an American at the turn of the century. <laughs> that's what my, I really like. That's my elevator pitch. Was that there was a lot of there was a lot of like American journey kind of stories in this show. Prove it. <sighs> I got you. You were just saying shit. Now I don't want to. I was gonna, and now you've made me dead. That was, yeah, okay. Fair mm-hmm. enough. <laughs> but there's like a lot of the American tale of like having to start from nothing and be this counterculture and. Though now that I'm thinking about it, most of that was from genocide. Wait, what? Where? What? What? <laughs> I was thinking about like how, like the American dream. The oh, I was like, I, in this show, there's genocide. No, there's no genocide in this show. There's no genocide just in American America. History. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. Um, so this show is a little bit more wholesome than American history. Well, everything is a lot more wholesome than American history. Oh. That's true. <laughs> yeah, Robin, do you want to tell us what happens Should in the show? Uh describe the basic plot of yeah. There are young monsters attending Monster Academy. 
they need to maintain their secrecy, and they need to scare people. Those are the things about monster society. Those are the things. Uh, each individual episode has its own plot, which we'll uh, probably talk about a little bit as we go into the things. But really, that's the basic. It's just young kid monsters going to monster school and learning how to be scary. We watched five episodes, technically ten episodes, because they are two short episodes per episode. They felt long. Yeah. Yes, it did. If you didn't follow along, they felt much longer than the Rugrats. They felt so long. I was like, this is, I'm never getting away from this. I agree. (laughs) In case anybody wants to know which episodes we did end up watching, we watched season one, episode five, Crumbs Pimple slash Monster Hunter. We watched season one, episode six, Monsters Don't Dance slash Gone Shopping. Uh, we watched season one, episode 13, Simon Strikes Back, slash the Ickis Box. And then we watched season four, episode seven, Super Ickis, slash the Substitute. And season four, episode 10, Spy vs. Monster and the Misery Date. Well, you know, the first thing that I have in my notes is kind of more of a general observation than any specific episode but uh this is a show overall about being unconventional taking pride in being unconventional doing things differently um they contrast monsters with humans in uh any way that they like every way that they can at every opportunity they try and say, uh, let's look at things from a different perspective. It's a counterculture that lives underneath the city dump. Yeah. And, you know, as a message for young kids, that's just like as a show, I can absolutely understand the, uh, I, you know, not understand the need for it, but like it has its place. It's it's a good uh, it's a good message to be sending to to young children, especially that you can think unconventionally. You can do things in a different way from everybody else, and still be proud of yourself, and still enjoy being that person, being who you are. Okay, so this show, I think, has two really strong points. I think that. They're what they try to do with this really episodic structure is they're not super interested in like a overarching plot, but they do a lot of really good world building and they're they're consistent, which is odd for a cartoon. Um they make a point to say that like monsters can't survive if they don't scare people. So the stakes are very high. But like what you were saying, like good is bad and bad is good. Things that are horrible, like they use the word horrible to describe very good things or hideous to describe beautiful things or things that they interpret as beautiful. Yeah, well, and I think especially just like this being kids media, it's just they're relating to the problems of, mm-hmm. of young kids 
it's relatable to young kids. A lot of the things that happen are things that are, uh, you know, real problems for young kids. Give me one example. One example. Being sold all that stuff. Uh. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Being sold Uh all that stuff. Uh, having a crush on girls who are not nice to you, don't like you back. Having teachers who are mean to you. Yeah, uh, you're right. I just asked for one. That's that's so many just, more than I asked for. You, you have gone above and beyond your duties. Robin, we only asked for one. <laughs> who are you trying to impress? My bad, my bad. The grumble. <laughs> so problems re- that children can relate to, for sure. Problems that children can relate to. Um, but the abstraction of making these monsters sort of subverting that idea that you have to be like everybody else like you have to be normal it you know it can serve as a a useful tool for getting kids to see themselves as different and enjoying that about themselves yeah like because these monsters completely celebrate their differentness they are actively every point they can they're like oh trash yes 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 i like well the first so the first episode that we watched Crumb's pimple starts with him growing a massive pimple Mm -hmm. which like again that's a a thing that like kids it's a fear that kids can relate to like oh no pimple I'm gonna look so gross at school and everybody sees the pimple and and they say it's hideous and he goes thanks yeah and uh just even that simple act uh just helping kids learn how to reframe something yeah i vibed with that episode so hard because my acne has just been so much worse as an adult than it ever was as a kid oh. or a teenager <laughs> and i always feel like they're little people on my face <laughs> do you talk to them stealing <laughs> my friends and just making my life misery do they so talk to you like, though because if they talk from... to you that might be a problem yeah that's a problem that felt like a metaphor for something else it almost at some points felt like a metaphor for like anxiety or depression with having this thing attached to you that's just telling you how much you suck and he can't get away from it Mm -hmm. no matter what he does that's a really good point i hadn't considered it from that perspective he distances himself from his friends knowing that they'll align themselves with the pimple and he doesn't want that but in the end he can't get away from the pimple itself Mm-hmm. Until the pimple chooses to leave, which is where the metaphor falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> I wish anxiety and depression would just be like, okay, bye. Goodbye. See you later. Never, ever again. I The way the way I saw it, I, I really kind of like your reading of it as, as, as being a metaphor for anxiety. Uh, I also I also saw it from a perspective of like, teaching kids how to deal with a sibling a new like a new sibling in your life Mm -hmm. uh learning to deal with people who get the attention that we want and see that's not a reading i ever would have picked up on (laughs) i mean that's the thing i ever went through (laughs) it wasn't it was not like a consistent like it was it was not something that holds up through the entire episode but there were definitely elements of it where i was thinking to myself like, oh, wow, my brother used to blame me for things that he did all the time. And that was bullshit. See, I never did that as an older sibling. The worst thing I did was, like, 
if I did anything that would make my brother cry, I knew I had like this three second period while his face changed from smile to tears that I could make him laugh before he started to cry. And if I could do that, then my mom wouldn't come in the room and yell at me. (laughs) That was the only really bad thing. Like, and even that I didn't, it wasn't ever something like I hurt him or anything. It was like, I wanted the sticker that he wanted or, you know, something silly. Right. That kind of makes me think, because, like, I never had anyone to blame anything on. I would feel extremely guilty about anything I did wrong. And so I was a goody two-shoes. Yeah. And I wonder if that had to do with, like, not having someone I could get away with it or, like, share in the guilt. Because it was just like, no, I'm the one who did this horrible, horrible thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Like, the shame and the guilt of it was always lesser when you could share it with the other sibling yeah where it's like i'm the only one in timeout i'm probably the only one in the world sitting in timeout right now who did something so horrible (laughs) poor catters i don't feel bad for myself (laughs) being an only child I think you can get fucked up by being an only child or it can turn you into a semi-interesting person yeah and I, hopefully it's the latter. I don't feel as fucked up as um, me. some of my friends with siblings. Yeah. And I think yeah. each position in, like, birth order has its own weird things. Like, as a yeah. firstborn with one younger sibling, I have weird complexes about having to take care of people. Yeah. And Robin, I'm sure you have your own things as a middle child. Yeah. Yeah. I- <laughs> and I just hate being around everybody. Hey, I don't think that's exclusive to only children because I also hate being around you. I think I go a little harder than the rest on that. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. Um, One big thing in this show that, or in this first episode, where Crumb has a pimple, (laughs) is that his friends start to, to like and trust the pimple more than him. And how hard that is to deal with. When my brother would blame me for things, that was, you know, one thing. But what, the thing that I think really hurt the most was that my parents would almost unerringly and unquestioningly believe my brother over me. And that's, you know, that's hurtful. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's what happens with Crumb's friends in this episode is they believe the pimple more than they believe their friend. I mean, wouldn't you? Uh, I guess. One 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 note is the pimple is a Republican. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? <laughs> you want to repeat that? The pimple is Republican. You mean to say the pimple is just a good God-fearing member of this nation. How dare you? The pimple was grown by Crumb. Allowed to live by Crumb. Like, Crumb gave the pimple the conditions under which to be successful. And then when finally the pimple flourishes, it says, I and I alone am responsible for the magnificence that is me. (laughs) Refusing to acknowledge the conditions that led to it being successful. No, I don't think that's exclusive to Republicans. But it definitely is... Well... Think about the guy, the Starbucks CEO, so Howard Schultz, who is trying to run for president. He's a fucking president. Republican. 
Yeah, but he doesn't call himself a Republican. <laughs> okay, fine. Conservative. Does that word work better for Anybody you? who's that arrogant just... <sighs> and not Tends all... to be a Republican. That's true, but not all Republicans are that. There is not a Democrats. single good Republican. I will say it on the air. I'm going to tell Megan to keep that in. <laughs> I'm going to tell her to add in an owl hooting in the background. No. That's not what I wanted. I will delete my audio file. No! Then stop hooting. Okay. What else uh, about this episode? So, the, the like, the final thing that I have in my notes, this episode spends its time talking about, like, how to deal with jealousy, or dealing with, like, jealousy, dealing with envy, dealing with people who are blaming you for things, and the sting of injustice. But it doesn't actually tell kids how to deal with those things. Like, it doesn't give them a solution. The way that the episode ends is that the other kids just end up catching the pimple being mean to Crumb, and that's when they realize they've been wrong. So for me, the ending felt a little bit unsatisfactory Mm -hmm. in terms of, like idea that the truth will come out eventually that's karma but that's yeah, not always that's true. Not true but like i guess it kind of transitioned instead into being like serving as a lesson like don't be mean to people and don't be liars or you'll get caught by get caught the other kids pimple because that's how the episode ends is the pimple grows a pimple something else in this show like communication is a like a thing that solves a lot of their problems just talking to people or getting caught talking or it's usually has to do with like talking it out or you know it's always that well as it's funny because it's a show about monsters that's trying to tell us humans how to live our lives but (laughs) (laughs) ha 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 aren't 95% of human problems due to lack of communication yeah I think that's true yeah um speaking of of which like what okay so one thing that really struck me as a sophisticated nuanced lesson that you don't actually get from a lot of shows but one of the episodes was resolved like a conflict between human and monster he, like, uh, Ickes was in a cage, and the way that the episode is resolved is that he communicates with the human kid, mm-hmm. and, like, through diplomacy and, and conversation, communication, they manage to, like, see things from each other's perspective. Mutual understanding leads the kids to letting the monster out of the cage, which, it's so rare that you see just, like, the ability to talk to somebody and get them to see things from your perspective as a solution in any kind of media, let alone kids' media. I just thought that was an incredible, incredible Yeah. Thing. That was probably my favorite episode of the bunch. Which episode was that again? They're all that scrambling. Was Simon Strikes Back? That's, I think, right. Yes. It's one of the Simon ones. I really liked the substitute one. It reminded me of Harry Potter. <laughs> It's pretty gay. You're pretty gay. Nope. Do you guys remember the episode where the Gromble tries to date? Yes. Uh, in that episode, the Gromble gets a crush on a rather kind-hearted monster, the library monster, and 
tries to get the gang to help him seem like a nicer person. And there's one point in this episode where they're dancing and their ill-formed bodies don't seem to dance together very well. Mm -hmm. And that brought me to a special place called Fan Fiction Most Foul. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh! need to hold a fake journal for this. Oh, yeah. Dear diary, it's me again. Sorry. I really hurt myself this time, diary. While watching a Real Monsters episode, Misery Date, I began to wonder, did anyone ever actually write fan fiction about a Real Monsters? I took to the internet. Oh, Jesus. Yes, of course they did. Of course they did. (laughs) Did you read any of it? Poems, short stories, anthologies. (laughs) My next question was, did anyone write rated M fanfiction? Oh, dear God. (laughs) About Knowing my generation, I'm going to guess that the answer is absolutely yes. Count them five. Five? The most popular of which was a one-paragraph run-on sentence, the pairing being an original character, i.e. the writer in a bikini, No. and the entire school of monsters. What the fuck? (laughs) My question is, is this just a young person exploring their sexuality in a way that we should encourage? Or... Should we make an example of this person and put them in jail? I'm going to pose a counterpoint. I don't think we should put them in jail because we don't put Tina Belcher in jail for wanting to fuck a bunch of zombies. Zombies are humanoid. Yeah, these monsters, like, monsters are, are also kind of humanoid. The the insinuation was that uh Monsters did not really know that what they're doing, what we're doing, was sexual. Oh, that's rapey. Yeah, I was pretty happy that there wasn't more dirty fan fiction revolving around ah real monsters. I quite honestly, I'm a little surprised because this was a show. I think it, it came out in '94, so it was like right in that sweet spot for me as a kid. I definitely grew up watching it. And I don't know, if I was like Tina Belcher and had some weird repressed sexual fantasies about monsters, I could see myself writing a fanfiction about it. It was really scarring. It was very hard to get through the whole thing. And I was like, if I'm in this deep, I gotta keep going. But God, that was one of the worst things I've ever put myself through. How long was it? Like, you said one paragraph, but like... How long was the paragraph? It took me like 10 minutes to read. Oh, wow. (laughs) One run-on paragraph. Oh, God. I had to keep stopping because it was just god-awful. But I did it to myself. I don't know why I thought it, th- these past two fanfiction most fell. I'm, I, like, really have a weird opinion of myself, I guess, that I'm like, oh, this won't bother me to look up. And then it's just awful. Mm-hmm. Anyways, back to the show. What other moments out of episodes stood out to everybody? I have so many notes, you guys. Oh, no. We're definitely not going to have time to go through each and every episode. Should we talk about that, like, commercialism episode? Yeah. Robin, do you have notes on that one? 
Um, not as many, actually. Uh, just that the for the parents watching this episode, the guy in the suit was the real monster. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the way he was selling his monster toys. Okay, so for clarification, in this episode, um, a human man has been dressing up as a monster and selling monster toys to little children and convincing them that monsters are cute, not scary. And that makes it much, much harder for our little monsters to scare people. But what happens in this episode, you two? Robin? Um, honestly, I don't actually... I mean, it. yeah, like, commercialism is evil. Like, capitalism is evil down with corporate corporations. But that wasn't really, like, the biggest thing that I, like, had a note on in this episode. Just because, like, for me... for That's such an internalized lesson for me. The biggest lesson that I got from it, the way that they depicted human kids in this particular episode as being sort of mindless annoying whiny crying zombies were easily manipulated and i disagree i mean i just just, i don't agree with it i think like it's one thing to celebrate weirdness like this show does by having the audience identify with the monsters Mm -hmm. but the way that they're depicting children in this makes people watching it like it encourages kids to dislike other normal kids i think that can just lead to a lot of internalized self-loathing i just wasn't a big fan of that lesson i think where in order to feel good about yourself, you have to view other people as inferior. Inferior. Yeah. I just I wasn't I wasn't a fan of that. I would take it more as not like saying this is look at these kids. They're so different than you. You're better than them. And more as like this is what you can become. People who are selling things want you to be is just demanding. I need the underwear. I need the mug. I need the t-shirt. Yeah. I di- yeah, I didn't read it as, like, these kids are so different from me. I read it as, like, oh, I could totally be like that. I mean, that's what advertising does to people, like, even adult people. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, like, the way we were in, like, Pokemon's pocket, you know, when we were yeah. kids and, like, had to have everything. <laughs> I, guess, I guess the thing for me that sets it up, the distinction, is the fact that it is monsters that we're supposed to be I- identify with versus humans. Mm-hmm. where normally that's a fine construct, but in this particular episode, I think just the way that it sets it up, it, it, it doesn't allow for a lot of nuance in terms of kids watching this are just going to see it and be like, ugh. Like, I, even I started to think to myself, like, ugh, kids suck. I didn't take it as kids suck. I took it as, like, consumerism's evil and it turns kids into crazy things. Like, because this especially would have been made while, you know, Nickelodeon and Disney Channel are suddenly running all of these kids' commercials all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, just trying to make the commercials more and more wild for Bionicle and stuff like that. So I, I, I took it more as not condemning the kids themselves. I respect that. Because South Park did a similar thing. Like was it called like Monchichi Monster or something like that? And uh, they have to go to a camp to all learn how to play the game. And Cartman keeps telling his mom like I need this new one, and she's like I just got you one. And like that's what parents don't. The disconnect between kids and parents. Or parents are like I just fucking spent forty bucks on this thing. Why do you need another one? And kids understand it as like well I don't have the full set. It's not that I just like need the thing. It's I need all of the thing. Right. Like if yeah. my. <laughs> 
if my parents bought me some Pokemon thing and it's like, why do you need another one? It's like, because I have to catch them all. Yeah, I need more than one pack of cards, please, because I actually have to get all the Pokemon that I need. And especially the way it's set up in the episode, it's like, we're going to sing this song. So now you need to have your underwear and your hats and your shirts and your mugs and your socks and your shoes. And so everyone starts handing their money over because it's like, oh, I need all these things for this song. Yep. Yeah. And it reminded me a lot of like uh, Jake Paul. Oh, gross. Of just the never ending sale of merchandise yeah i mean a lot of youtubers do that not not all of them but like some of them push merch hard and some of them just like kind of push merch but it's honestly that's their income that's their livelihood is selling this merch so then on the shane dawson documentary that was like i know a point that me and madison had argued about is it completely evil that he's selling these things to kids i'm like well he has to make a fucking living yeah but yeah youtube especially I think that's why, like, this is, like, the modern version of those kids' commercials back then. Yeah. Because uh, YouTube ad sales had an apocalypse years ago where now none of them make very much money from YouTube itself. Mm -hmm. So they all have to find the money somewhere else. And a lot of it comes from um, ad deals and then, and merch. In other words, the corporation youtube that is in charge is evil correct absolutely (laughs) that's the lesson of this episode yes corporations equal evil yeah internalize it probably the danger of it is that there's no separation between the commercial and the content well and also uh i think now would be a good time to mention we are selling (laughs) t-shirts headbands oh yeah buy our merch we don't have merch Robin, what was your favorite episode? Uh, well, I think just in terms of like story, my favorite episode was the spy one, but I didn't have much to say about it. Okay. I, the, and there, what, what, which one did you have the most to there, say well, about? There are two. There are two things that I really wanted to say about two different episodes. The the thing the 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 one that we were just talking about, where uh, Simon's Revenge. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I thought it was really great to see Simon actually doing well. Because there's kind of that Tom and Jerry thing going on where he's the monster hunter, the one person in the world who actually believes in monsters and everybody's always making fun of him. And he's saying, I'm going to catch these monsters and prove it to the world. But he never is able to catch them. He's always terrible at it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But in this episode, he has somebody who looks up to him. He has a, like there's a kid who also mm-hmm. has seen monsters and sees Simon as genuinely being good at his job as not being afraid of monsters and he looks up to him and having somebody who looks up to him emboldens him gives him strength to actually be good at his job and when that happens he is able to successfully capture monsters that's a theme that runs through this show a lot is like you can't do it alone but with your friends you're unstoppable well i think it's it's more nuanced than that even because the kid isn't necessarily a friend and he's not doing it with the kid's help mm-hmm. it is genuinely the fact that there is somebody looking up to him which i think especially as millennials we kind of internalize the sense that like i'm not good enough to have people look up to me there's mm-hmm. like i don't deserve compliments i'm not like good enough to do that 
Well, but, when, when we're constantly talked down to as an entire generation. Yeah, exactly. But like accepting a leadership role can be part of growth. Yeah. In fact, even even when you do the leadership role poorly, like having the experience of being a leader and watching something fail often leads you to a lot of growth. Yeah. But in this case, it was he, he had the confidence because he had somebody looking up to him. But what Robin was saying, like have having somebody look up to you and look to you for leadership, it forces you to be a leader and you don't have any choice but to move forward. And I think that that kind of forced confidence is really helpful for some people sometimes. Yeah. So that was that was what I had to say about that episode. And then the uh, the other episode that I really wanted to talk about is actually very similar. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to skip to that right now. But it was the uh, Super Ickes episode where he oh, yeah. puts on a, a mask. It's also about gaining confidence. It's also yeah. about being successful. But um, the Super Ickes episode for me, and I think the like the moral the lesson the way they wrapped it up overlooks one of the important elements of 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 the episode they they didn't fully realize what they were doing but for me it was about the importance of putting on masks Mm -hmm. which i think is something i i don't know that could be controversial i think a lot of a lot of people especially these days are about like you need to be honest as fully honest and true to yourself as possible which i agree with but there are different iterations of self there are different like portions of who we are that we can we can bring out it's you know it's the fake it till you make it kind of thing where Mm -hmm. if you can put on a mask that helps like it feels like you're taking yourself out of the equation and you can start doing more start feeling confidence because you're doing something behind a mask that can lead to bad things sure but in a lot of a lot of ways, like in this episode, it can lead to good things. He put on his mask and he felt emboldened to be a super scary monster. He was a superhero monster. Yeah. And the way that it wraps up, the way that ends is somebody saying to him, you had it inside you all along, which is good, which is true. But the way that that wraps it up overlooks the process part of it. You're right required him putting on a mask to begin with yeah because when you have that level of anonymity you have more com- you, you, because you, exactly what you said you take yourself out of the equation and suddenly you're just a person who can do just as much as any person yeah or more <laughs> um so those were kind of my two big like confidence related points that i got from this show and how like we can grow as people by taking on leadership positions. By being monsters. And wearing masks. Yeah, well, and focusing on the process of growth, development, finding ways to, you know, fake it till you make it. To convince ourselves that that confidence that we know is within us can be brought out. Finding the ways to do that and then doing it. Do it. Put on do a you mask. have a mask to put on? No. I'm going to get you each a Reagan mask. No. No. <laughs> That's the wrong kind of mask. Wait, really? I'm going to kill you. If you think you're the president, you could do anything. I'm going to kill you. You could kill me (laughs) if you were wearing a Reagan mask. I got a crow mask for someone, and they didn't like it. I just made the worst face. I love that. 
Yeah, I do too. I think it was really good of me. I'm really disappointed in whoever it was that did not appreciate their crow mask. She knows who she is. <laughs> <laughs> was it Annie? My dog? No. Annie decided that she wants to sit up here and record podcasts with us. So everybody say hi. Hello. Hi. She says hello. Can I say, I, I had one final uh, thing about this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It kind of seems like we're moving on. But the episode where Grumble, that's his name? Grumble? Grumble. Is, the Grumble. Grumble. The Grumble. Grumble. How dare you? My bad. Is, is on a date. Uh... It's good that he realized by the end of the episode that he had to be honest about who he is and what he's like, mm-hmm. which is to say mean. Um, yeah. But I thought the real lesson, the most important lesson of this episode uh, was the fact that the librarian said no. I know. I love that. I did too. Like she knew what she needed and that was not it yeah it's just like you don't owe anybody your affection just because they're being honest with you and it wasn't even that he was mean that she couldn't handle it was (laughs) that he was loud and she's a library monster she's a library monster she cannot handle that anyways uh did we talk about the howie scream at all howie scream do you know what the howie scream is No. no oh my gosh hold on let me pull this up. Okay, don't talk for a second. Yeah! That's the Howie scream, you two. Why? It's so there's like a bunch of stock sounds that people use in shows over and over. That's one of the screams that people use, and it's in the title of this show. So it's like the Wilhelm scream. Yeah. Or the, uh, there's a, baby cry that people use all the time as well. I am not a fan of like reusing the same stock. I think it was like it was originally supposed to be kind of an inside joke and then people started actually using it. I mean I hate the Wilhelm scream. I think people should stop using it. (laughs) I like the joke in Spongebob that they use because the guy who always screams my leg! My leg! (laughs) (laughs) Are we done talking about all real monsters? Yeah. Oh, I realized about halfway through when we were talking, we hadn't actually described who the characters are. I uh, who cares? Is it time to sign out? Yeah. Alrighty, let me pull it up. Hi, Annie. Oh, she woke up from her nap. Everybody. Okay, I'm ready. Alrighty. This and every episode features the song Enthusiast by Tours. To make a suggestion, tweet the name of your favorite television show, movie, book, or video game to at GrowThePodUp with a brief message about why it was meaningful to you. Hey! Hey, you! If we use your suggestion for an episode of Grow Up, we'll send you a sticker. Super, (laughs) Super nifty. What if they don't want a sticker? Well, if you don't want a sticker, we can punch you in the nose. Then you can fuck right off, Catherine. If you would really like your voice featured on the air, like really, really, if you really, really want that, just send us a voice message with your suggestion to growthepotup at gmail.com. You've been listening to Grow Up, a Saturday morning podcast with Maddie Gray. Who, me? (laughs) 
And me. Like what you hear? We hope so. If you do, please leave us a review on iTunes. Already done that? Make sure your friends listen to us. This could mean, you know, suggesting grow up to somebody you think might enjoy it, or tying someone to a chair and forcing them to listen to us. We won't judge. If you've already done that, I guess you could follow us on all of our social media platforms for updates, clips, memes, and kooky commentary. We are at GrowThePotUp on Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, Facebook, Pinterest, Reddit, and any as yet undiscovered social media. And the, the, the stone in my backyard that I etch things into for the crows. Ah, yes. Mustn't forget this magic crow stone. Now, if you do any one of those three things, if you leave us a review on iTunes, if you share our podcast with your friends, or if you follow us on three social media platforms, your name will go into our witching jar. It's a jar full of magic and wonder. What happens when your name goes in the witching jar? Nobody really knows. We're getting closer. We're getting closer to finding out every day. Now, rumor has it that it may have to do with somebody getting a tattoo, but the jury's still out. I I don't know. I haven't... Anybody heard confirmation or denial of that, no. that rumor? No? The crows the crows remain tight-lipped. What do you think? Do you think that you want to be able to choose the tattoo that goes on somebody's body? Let us know on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Tumblr. Join us next week as we, we're going to come back to that old standby. We're going to just creep a few more episodes further into Pokemon Indigo League. Ah, yeah, that's where we started. That's where we're gonna keep going. You're doing, you're doing that fucker again? Yes. Yes, again, we, we like Pokemon. As a matter There's of fact, too much to say about Pokemon to ever be done with it. So we're gonna keep <laughs> on going for the rest of our lives. You could put infinite number of chimpanzees on an infinite number of typewriters for an infinite amount of time and they still would have more things to say about Pokemon. (laughs) I think that's true. Gotta catch them all. Bye!